Welcome to the Tavern of the Isle. I'm the innkeeper, Jake, and this is where I create stories about the Isle and beyond. So, pull up a seat, a friend, and let's begin. Ah, welcome traveler. My name is Jake, and I'm the innkeeper here at the Tavern of the Isle. You must be weary from coming all this way. How about you take a seat by the hearth, and I'll tell you a story. Today's tale is about a young peasant who becomes one of the greatest knights of his time. This is the tale about the Knight of the Griffin. Weston woke up one morning to the light shining through his window. The rays hit his face, bathing it in a golden light. He blinked the sleep out of his eyes. He looked around his room. To his left was the window, which was where the rays shone out. It pretty much covered the entire left wall. There was a small mahogany table in the middle, with a wicker basket holding a plant inside. He looked to the right and saw a small, modest painting of his father. Weston could barely remember father had been so many years. He looked down from the painting and saw his wheelchair. It was a wooden contraption that had a leather seat in back. His mom peeked in after a few minutes in silence. Oh good, you're awake. You slept in later than usual, she said, she remarked. I did, he asked. Why yes, it's nearly 10 o'clock. Come on, let's get you into your chair. Weston was a 15-year-old boy who was disabled since birth. His father had been a carpenter and had, many, had made enough wages for the boy and his family to live in relative comfort. The man had died when Weston was only seven, though. Weston's mom helped him into his chair. After a meager breakfast of cornbread fresh out of the oven, Weston wheeled himself out by the window. His mother had to run an errand. She left the door unlocked, mainly because they never had trouble with robbers. What was worth robbing? Of course, it was also mainly because they couldn't afford locks. It had been a few hours now since Weston's mother had left, and he was still sitting by the window in his room, staring out at the plains surrounded by forest. Then, around the bend, came a man. Weston was curious at first, as not many people came around this way. But then he became worried as he saw the man look both ways and jump the fence. Weston couldn't do anything, his father had never had any weapons, and he was pretty much helpless. He could hear the man open the door and start rooting around. Weston was in a panic. He racked his brain for something, anything he could do to stop the man, or at least protect himself. But it was too late. The door to Weston's room creaked open, and the man smiled a large, toothy smile. Why, hello there. The man had a straw hat and was in tattered clothing. He had rotted teeth clinging on by, on by threads in his mouth. Get me some water, the man said. Weston looked around. Yeah, um, I can't move. That's why I'm in this chair. Then he mentally banged his head against the wall. Telling the man how Weston was disabled was a terrible decision. Okay, get me some water. Weston looked the man up and down. The man could easily overpower him, armed or not. He weighed his choices and struggled out of the chair. He crawled to the door and the man opened it. Weston crawled in intense agony as the man leisurely walked beside him. He got to the well and propped himself upon it. He lowered the bucket and eventually pulled the bucket out. 
breathing heavily, Weston pointed to the bucket. There. There's your water. Oh, no, I'm not drinking out of a bucket. Give me a cup. So, yes, Weston had to crawl to the house and back. He gave the cup to the man. At this point, he was so tired and in pain that he couldn't speak. Thank you, said the man. Though, you know, you could have been quicker about it. Drink. He handed Weston the cup, and he drank. He, of course, was hesitant. At first, he thought this man was a robber, but now he simply thought him insane. He drank the water and immediately felt nothing. Nothing was different. The man smiled. Stand up. Now. Weston immediately rolled his eyes. Why? Why would he try to stand after so many failed attempts? What was the point? The man had just seen him crawl that entire way in deep agony, and yet he told him to stand. I can't, said Weston. Well, with that attitude, you won't. Stand. Weston sighed and used the well as support. He might as well show this man that he couldn't. But he could. He stood right up like a second nature, as if he was always able to. He was shocked. He turned around to look at the man, and he saw that he was gone. He walked back to his house as easily as if he could always do it. What would he tell mother? Weston's mom got back from the market. She saw him in his chair. She was carrying a large bag of food. Here, let me help you, Weston said. His mother sighed and continued putting up the bag and all their food in their meager pantry. To her surprise, she saw him jump up from his chair and grab the bag. He realized in that moment, though, that not only did the water cure him, but it made him stronger. This proved to be too much for his mom. She fainted. After a brief explanation and a very confused mother, Weston decided that now he was able to, he would go seek his fortune in the world. The next day, at sunrise, he had already packed his bags. Basically, some biscuits and clothes. They had no money to spare, so he wasn't able to take any. He said his goodbyes, or goodbye, and told his mother that he would send money when he when he had it. Then he left. He hoped he would he hoped he would find shelter, but he didn't think it would rain that night. Being stuck in a chair for 15 years had taught him how to know when storms were about to arise. He walked literally all day. For any normal man or woman, this would have been incredibly exhausting. Weston, though, seemed to not feel it at all. The water had given him abilities, like walking for a whole day. Once, he passed by a tavern, and he thought he'd see if he could get some work. He had been walking for a while now, maybe a week straight, and even he was getting tired. The manager looked him up and down. Well, maybe I can do something for you. Got any experience cooking? No. Sweeping? No. Table serving? Nope. The manager sighed. Can you chop wood? Probably. Maybe. The manager offered a deal. Food and lodging for the kid as long as he chopped wood and maybe did an odd job here or there. Weston accepted. He was excited. His first ever real job. 
When he started, he took the big, meaty logs and prepared to hack at them. With one swing, though, he smashed straight through the log, making an incredibly clean cut. The only problem was that he sliced through the stone that the log was on, and now the axe was stuck. Weston was surprised. He knew that he was strong now, with walking for a week and all, but this strong? Weirdly enough, the axe was actually barely damaged. He tried pulling at the axe, and it slid straight out like a knife in butter. He looked left and right. He decided to maybe try swinging more lightly. He lined up most of the logs. He went down the line, slicing straight down the middle. By the end of it, all the logs were cut as clean as could be, and the axe was completely dull. The manager looked at the axe, the 15-year-old, and the massive pile of wood. He blinked a few times, rubbed his eyes, and seemed to just accept it and moved on. For a few weeks, they went on like this, and Weston was getting food and bedding. Good food and bedding. One day, Weston noticed that the innkeeper seemed more stressed out than usual. What's up? he asked. Oh, it's just that time again, the innkeeper answered. What time? The innkeeper looked at the boy. Oh, right, you're not from here. There's just this black knight that comes around every year demanding tribu tribute. The innkeeper informed Weston as much as possible. He's a black one, he said. What's a black one? asked Weston. The innkeeper looked at him, and he continued, ignoring the question. The king has tried to get rid of him, but all the knights that he sends are have been defeated. Weston thought for a minute. Can I try? he asked. Of course not. You will die. He will kill you. Really, really dead. Oh, West decided secretly that, yeah, he would totally try. He found out that the king had a bounty on the black one's head. He would outfit you or any young man with enough armor and some weapons if they would fight. And those who won would get glory, knighthood, and lordship over this town, as its previous lord had fallen to the knight. When the day came that the tribute had to be paid, a knight in new shiny armor came out and challenged the black knight. The shiny knight, that's what I'm going to call him, called out to the black one, Gulof, that he was challenging him. Gulof, you see, was one of the black ones. They were the scourge of the isle. They had, in their order, very powerful knights of the highest caliber. They also had underlings, beasts, monsters. We don't know much about this particular knight, Gul'dof, other than that he was part of the Black Ones. Gul'dof laughed a large, malicious laugh. He was wearing completely black armor. Armor known as Felsteel. He was a large man, nearly seven feet. He looked down at this knight. I accept your challenge. this mysterious knight in shiny armor get pummeled right after this. Did you know that I co-host another podcast? It is called One Up Gaming. The first episode I hope record will be out soon, and it features how Nintendo Switch sales have nearly reached 80 million units, as well as a little bit about Animal Crossing New Horizons and the Forge of Empires series. So, why don't you go check that out today?
I haven't fully enabled ads quite yet for this podcast, which means you have a few episodes to listen to almost completely ad-free. But as soon as it do- we do add them in, it will be for the episode, and almost all of our earnings will be put towards better equipment for a much better listening experience for you. Lastly, if you're enjoying today's episode, please leave a review and tell a friend. It really does help the show. Thank you for bearing with me, and now let's continue the story. had said. Weston shivered under his armor. He was worried, but he knew that he had to beat this guy. He was a massive jerk and was pillaging this innocent town. They set up a time. At noon of the morrow, or basically the next day, they would joust. Weston slept fitfully that night. In the morning, he was awoken by a squire. They put on his chainmail and shiny armor, and they prepared his horse. He ate a quick breakfast of bread and butter, and then he was off. Weston was terrified at first, but he, but he overcame it. Well, sort of. The Black Knight, Goldoff, rode up on his steed. Yes, a, a, a black steed. He didn't say a word. Instead of a sword, a mace was strapped to his side. Weston gulped. They charged at each other. Weston clenched his teeth and was struck straight off his horse. He soared momentarily and then landed a few yards away. Gulaf smiled under his helmet. He stood in front of Weston and turned around. He yelled that this was yet another knight killed by the great and powerful Gulaf, and how the weak king and his knights could do nothing to start him and the dark ones. Weston, blinking away his the sweat, confusion, and red spots in his eyes, pulled his sword and stabbed Gul'dof with all his might. Gul'dof made a gurgling sound, then fell over, dying almost instantly. Not only that, but Weston noticed that his sword is smashed. The Felsteel shouldn't have protected against a, a normal sword, but remember, Weston had super strength now. It smashed his sword, but he succeeded in the end. Weston woke up in a strange room. He rubbed his head and felt a cloth. A nurse came in, and she saw that he was awake. She bowed, telling him how he had won the battle. Weston now realized why she was bowing. He was likely in his new castle. His new castle. The lady informed him that, yes, he had succeeded. He was now the owner of this wonderful new castle and all the attendants in it. He stood and looked out at his new land. His castle was no real palace, but it was three times bigger than the largest building in the town. It was also clearly made to stand in a large onslaught. Weston immediately took a liking to it. He was given three days to find a suitable steward, captain of an arms, and get his forces and attendants all set up. 
After the, that, he was to report to the king's court. One of the first things he did was set up a nice apartment and send a messenger to his mother. She wouldn't receive the message until after the meeting with the king, but Weston was hoping that she would come. After choosing a good man that he came to know as his steward and a captain of arms, he gathered his brand new attendants and foot soldiers and went off to see the king. As he arrived at the king's court, Weston hit it off with the king. They became good friends and the king eventually did knight him. Weston felt the sword come down on his silk shoulder and then the other as the king knighted him. As Weston came back from a long week at the court, he met his mother at the castle. She had nearly fainted as she saw the man dressed well on a nice horse stop at her house and give her news of her son. She, at first, had thought herself insane, but the man persisted. She eventually accepted the invitation and went to her son's new land. They lived happily ever after. The end. Just kidding. There was a reason that Weston was known as the Knight of the Griffin, and we're about to find out. It had been six years after we left off, and yet Weston remembered it like yesterday. He was now 21. His little town had boomed in that time. The innkeeper now had way too many guests and had already upgraded his inn twice now, and Weston had opened a small infirmary for those who were sick or wounded. He had also created large parks for his people to enjoy and had parties once in a while to keep his people entertained. He had also cut down on crime so much that there were only around two robberies per year. He had tried to be a fair ruler and proved to be one. Needless to say, the people adored him, not to mention with his friendship with the king had only grown. He had made allies with the neighboring and distant lords alike. Things could not be better. After that proclamation, you can probably assume what happens next. Chaos. Total chaos. that the evil knight, Guldof, belongs to is slightly aggravated that one of their knights was completely annihilated. They wanted revenge. They decided to teach this boy and his king that they could not win and show them how powerful the order was. The leaders called on a force that had only been woken once, long, long ago. One that should never be named. It, of course, was no human. The griffin screeched and reared up, spreading its wings and flying towards the town. As Weston saw the monster approach, he told his soldiers to get everyone to safety, and he and a small guard ran out to try and face the beast. A rider was sent to alert the king. Arrows flew and bounced off the griffin. Weston drew his sword. The griffin was high in the air, so, so he couldn't get near it. The griffin dove at Weston. He dodged seconds before he would have collided with it. After a few more dives, Weston knew for sure that he was the griffin main's target. He took a horse and rode, bareback, 
as far from the town as possible. His soldiers, realizing what their lord was doing, rushed after him. Weston jumped off his horse and put on a brave smile. He pointed his sword at the beast, a challenge. The griffin screeched, deafening most people nearby. The griffin dove, and Weston just kept his sword pointed. Sweat went down his brow, and he would, he would have to time this right. Milliseconds before the griffin hit, he flopped to the ground and stabbed upward. The griffin sputtered and rolled to a stop on the ground. Weston breathed heavily, just as the king's men rode up. The king saw it all from afar. They had a feast, and everyone celebrated. Then, at the party, the king casually said, Hey, you know who else is 21? The princess. I really hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode. I'd like to go ahead and tell you this is where the story of Mira would have originally been, but I think I might change it up slightly. I may be doing short one-time episodes of Beyond the Isle every once in a while, and the story of Miria may be added in there. I'm no pro, and this is pretty much my first ever episode, so I am absolutely positive that several things could have been much better, such as audio quality, transitions and cuts, and music changes. I received a suggestion in the works of today's episode that maybe I try and make the music fit the mood. It did not go well. So maybe next episode, that will change. I am really open to suggestions, and you can leave reviews saying how I might make the podcast better. Today, I am way past the original deadline for the podcast to be out, so I think it will, from now on, come out every other Tuesday. I'd like you to know that normally this would be the story of Mira, but I decided to do these announcements first. I have learned quite a lot about recording and writing a podcast, and I think that maybe next episode, I might have a better listening experience for you. Today's episode was written by me, Jake S, and edited by me, Jake S. I use the band lab for recording and editing, and I use Anchor to create, manage, and establish my podcast. The theme music, the one playing right now, writing, was made by my friend Owen. Other transition music was provided by Anchor. Check out my website at tavernoftheisle.weebly.com. You can also listen to us straight from your browser at anchor.fm slash tavernoftheisle. And I would like to thank my sister for giving me the inspiration for today's story, as well as my parents for all the encouragement they've given me. If you liked today's episode, please leave a, a review and tell me what I can do better. In the episode description, there will be links to where you can listen. Thank you so, so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.